What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Chris Evans here. Hey, listen, thanks for tuning into the podcast. Really appreciate you. Second, we've got some smoking deals coming on Black Friday. So what I want you to do right now is I want you to go to trafficandfunnels.com slash Black Friday and get yourself added to the pre-call list. What does that mean? That means you're going to be before everybody else and getting the special pricing because there's going to be a rush, my friends, my colleagues, a rush on the amazing deals that we have coming for you on Black Friday. So if you've been asking, how do I get a hold of all the amazing products that Traffic and Funnels has? Well, now is your opportunity. And don't sleep on this opportunity. Go to trafficandfunnels.com slash Black Friday and beat all the other chumps. Listen, that's just between me and you. We won't tell them, right? Go get it. All right, we'll see you guys over there. You're listening to the Traffic and Funnels Show. Welcome to the Copy Closer Podcast. Today I've got an amazing guest. I've been trying to get this guy on for like a year or 10. And uh, his name is Taylor Welch. If you don't know who he is, just do a simple Google. You'll figure out exactly who he is. But we're going to interview him. This man is huge. I, I personally seen him from afar from what it seems like. I mean, I don't know when you started, man, but it seems like he started only a few years ago and blew up into this monster eight-figure company. He's buying real estate now. He's working with Jay Abraham. He's, I mean, he is leading the freaking the the charge here. So Taylor, dude, thank you so much for coming on the show, dude. Dude, it's great to be here. And when you say huge, I just thank you for noticing my physical stature. Been working out in the gym and I'm putting on the pounds, bro. Putting it on. <laughs> you know. Well, man, you uh, – actually, that's funny. We can start with that, actually. Have you – because I've always been interested in this. It always seems to be when folks start making a, a nice chunk of change, they go through this phase where it's like they, they went out of shape for a little bit to get to that, and then they're like, fuck, I got to get back in shape. Is that what happened to you, or are you always in shape type of deal? you always in the gym? I don't even think I'm – I'm not even technically in shape right now, but uh... – I, so I, it's a funny story. I started training with a guy in Memphis, Tennessee. He was one of my buddies. I was still working at the church and he's one of my friends from the church. He started training me and the business took off. We moved and then I stopped working out exactly like what you're saying. And then I've gotten back into it just cause I'm like, dude, I am tired of being fat and I'm still kind of fat. And so I'm like, I'll basically pay as much money as I have to. So that people can yell at me to do my, my reps. That working, on, working it through. So, well, so that's kind of funny because I've, I've found the same thing that whenever, like I signed up to Orange Theory, I don't have a personal trainer, but I signed up to Orange Theory. Intense, bro. Dude, so intense. I'm, uh, I'm one of like two men and all the 50-year-old ladies are kicking our butts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I did it for a little bit and I was just like, this is hurting my soul to do Orange Theory right now. I have to stop. It's too intense. <laughs> So, but that's interesting because it sounds like you're someone who can hire a coach. I mean, you're a coach yourself. You coach business owners, you do all that stuff, but you're not scared. It seems like to put yourself in a student mode. No, absolutely not. I would rather, I don't, I don't have time anymore to learn to be a master at all of these different things. And you can pay somebody and they can tell you exactly what not to do. And to me, that's why, that's probably why people think that I've blown up I'm 30 years old. We just had our first kid and congrats dude she's amazing uh but people look at us and it's like man you know we we don't we don't have to work anymore uh, we could stop right now and nothing would change 
it's because I'm hiring people. I'm only doing what I'm good at doing. And uh, I'll, even, even the things that I am good at doing, I'm still hiring a lot of money to get people who are better to, to train me how to do it. You got Jay as an example. I'm a marketing person, but I'm not as good as Jay is. I'm going to give him as much money as I can to put me on his level, you know? Yeah. So what did you do before you even fell into this marketing world? You said you were working, was it working at a church? Yep. I worked, I was on staff at a church in Memphis. And then, um, so we did, I was like doing worship. I grew up a musician and my wife, hairstylist, and she had her own salon and she was taking clients, ended up transitioning off staff at church because I wanted to make more money. Uh, I was kind of burning out as well. Started doing property management, not real estate. Okay. There's a big difference between real estate and property management. Like real estate is fun and sexy and you get to buy property management is like, dude, picture this. There's a bulletproof glass window separating me from, you know, a thousand angry tenants. <laughs> and I had to talk to them every day. That's what I was doing. And, uh, dude, it was, it was exhausting, bro. Like picture like being emotionally drained before 11 in the morning every day. That's me. But dude, that taught me more about salesmanship than anything I've ever done before. Cause I'm sitting here having to explain why toilets aren't working and why, uh, the AC is broken. And it's 110 degrees in Memphis. And I started, I learned how to, how to control a person's perception. This is before I was a copywriter, before I was into sales, I was trying to get a tenant out the door and make them believe that we would fix their heater that night. How, That's where how I learned sales. You You're 30 now. So how long, how long ago was that? This was 2014. So 24, yeah. 24, 25 in that, in that range. Yeah. Wow. I got paid, um, about $1,800 a month to do that job. Got a raise to like $2,200 a month. We're like rich rolling in the dough. And about the time that, um, that I picked up my first book by a guy named, you know, John Carlson. And it was the entrepreneur's guide to getting your shit together. You read that one? Uh, yeah, I do. I have that one actually. The yeah. first edition, I picked it up at the beach with my family because Lindsay was like, I, I want to get more clients. And so I started trying to figure out what marketing was all about and how it worked. And I will never forget, we took uh, $130 out of Lindsay's business account to buy a mailing list in Cordova, which is a suburb of Memphis, Tennessee. And I wrote a sales letter. I had never done this before. And we sent it out to, I think it was like 60 names or something. And she got two clients from it. Wow. And this is 2014. And I'm like, dude, I am the greatest marketer of all time. <laughs> Let's do it again. We speed through it. You know, I, I started doing learning copywriting. I started learning the game and I had a leg up because I had to sell a very nasty product every single day uh, at the property management company. So it's like, it's pretty easy to sell a good product. And uh, dude, my first retainer client came in shortly after that. And the rest is history. Quit my job. Believe it or not, my first goal Taylor Welch's first goal in all of this was I'm going to help my wife get, I needed to replace about $2,200 a month in income. It's like, here's how many clients I need to get Lindsay, who's my wife, so that I can quit my job to get $2,200 a month. My goal was to just basically get her an extra $2,200 a month, quit, stay at home, do nothing. That was the extent wow. of my drive, a vision. People were like, where do you get this drive? Where do you get this? Like, I don't even know, man. Like I did not even, I didn't know what entrepreneurship was. I didn't know that you could do this. 
And uh, as soon as I exited the day job, though, I was like, let's go. Like, I'm not staying at home doing nothing. Like, let's build. And it's been four years and a few months and going all the way, man. So, so you mentioned your retainer client. What was your first rec- retainer client doing? Was it copywriting? It was copywriting and infusion stuff. So I kind of did a, the same thing that every freelancer does. It's like, I can sell this, but I don't know what I'm good at. And, you know, how do I niche myself against the competition? And so I ended up, you know, I learned Infusionsoft and I was also doing copy. So it's was like, I'm going to be the Infusionsoft copywriter. I'll build funnels. Got really deep into Levesque stuff, um, survey funnel back before it was, you know, he, before he blew up. Um, and so I was doing Infusionsoft for this guy who ran a blogging education business. I think the retainer was $2,500 a month, $300 wow. more than I was getting paid at the day. Yeah. Time. I was like, let's go. Believe it or not, uh, the first promo that we did together bombs. He had probably 180,000 people on his list. I think, so that we were selling an affiliate for Andre Chaperon, and I think we sold like three. 180,000 people, three sales. And uh, the guy's name is Bradley. And dude, Bradley had an eye for people, and, and he was just like, hey, it's okay. I like your attitude. I like your spirit. I like your drive. I'm going to keep you on retainer. So I was like, this retainer is going to fall through. My work didn't, it didn't produce. And we went on to create an extra couple hundred thousand dollars in revenue for him after that. He had a good eye for people. So he saw something in me and I don't know what it was, but he saw something in me that was like the eye of the tiger. Like I would, I would, you'd have to kill me for me to stop. And I didn't see it at the time, but it worked out well for him. And then, you know, we transitioned out of, I transitioned out of service work about eight months after I quit the day job. So, okay. So, I, okay. So you quit. After you quit the copywriting thing or after you quit your day job? The day job. Day job. Okay, cool. Yeah. So uh, I'm interested to hear this perspective. I assume I know the answer, but a lot of copywriters, whenever they work on retainer, they, they've, they've got this thing against like revising work. It's like they have an emotional attachment to the copy or something. Did you ever have that? Or, because I assume you had to revise work as a retainer copywriter, right? Or no? Yeah, I, I had the same... Um, issues is when you put that much work into a piece of copy, it's like your child's, you know, you're proud of it. But then like the philosophy here is like, it doesn't matter unless the market says it matters. And I had put together this beautiful funnel and basically three people out of 180,000 said it's good. I'm like, well, that that's pretty bad. So uh, I had to learn very early that it's less about what I think is good. And it's more about what people actually pay for. Right. 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 So, so you're doing this copywriting thing with this infusion soft copywriting thing. How long did it take you to transition from that? And was there anything else before you did traffic and and funnels or anything else or, or something before that? How'd you transition into that? Here's my secret. I'll give everybody the secret key to the vault. Write it down. Um, and I'll give you the secret via story. That's a true story. Um, do you want the story first, principle second, or you want the principle Absolutely. first, story second? That's the best okay. way. So between August of 2014 and April of 2015, so that's what, six months, eight months, something like that, um, my identity changed probably a dozen times. Uh, rapid, rapid changes in how I thought. And here's how it happens. One day I made a post in a Facebook group. This was in early fall of 2014. And I offered to help people with their copy. We had already sent the letters out to 
uh, help my wife's business. And I said, I can do this. I can do this for other people. I believe in my skill set. And I made a post and it went viral in every, every negative way you can imagine. Uh, like 30 minutes after I made the post, there's a hundred comments on this thing. And people are like, how are you going to write copy for me when you can't even write copy for yourself? Look at this trash. Look at this kid as dogging me. And, uh, I had to make a decision whether I was going to leave it or delete it. And I came home and I was like, I don't, I just want to not even do this because I'm getting insulted really, really, really bad and ended up getting one client out of it. So it worked out. What did that teach me? It taught me it's less about what people think about me and more about what's real because the, the shit worked. Okay. Lesson logging in the books. That's not the principle. I went out, I did it three or four more times. I hired a mentor who said he could help me build a, $250,000 a month year. I invested in him, gave him my Amex. Turns out it was an MLM. I won't say the name of it, but I had no idea what an MLM was at the time. Nothing against them now, but I thought I was going to get personal mentorship. He didn't respond to emails. He didn't. It was bad. I went out about a month later, hired another mentor. You say, what? Why are you crazy? Yeah. If it doesn't work the first time, why would you do it again? Well, I had, I had no grid for that lesson. People get in a car wreck, but they still drive cars. Yeah. People learn the wrong lessons inside of this entrepreneurship game because people are lazy. Anyways, that's not the lesson either. Let's keep moving on. The second person I hired was actually an Infusionsoft salesperson. Didn't get any personal mentorship with that either. So I'm racking up credit card debt. Hired my third mentor in March of 2015. My wife this is all was going months. six months. My wife was like, babe, I trust you, but this better work because we have 10 grand in credit card debt now and you make $1,800, $2,200 a month. Um, moral of the story, I believe that if you average everything out and shake things to, their, to the bottom, everybody experiences roundabouts the same amount of hardship. You may disagree with this, I don't care. Uh, at the end of your life, we're gonna look at a, a, a measure of equality and what people are. People are gonna get punched in the face around the same amount of times. Here's the difference is some people get hit early. Some people get hit late. Some people get hit in the middle. I would rather be the type of person that can condense down failure into a six month window. Get hit fast. Dude, other people are gonna pay the price for the rest of their life. They're gonna pay a little bit here. They're gonna pay a little bit in 2020, a little bit in 2022, 2027. They're gonna pay a little bit more. To hell with that, dude. I want all of it in a six month window as soon as possible. And the difference between me and a lot of contemporaries is I paid the same price in six months from August, 2014 to March of 2015 that most people pay over 10 years. And so I am where I am now, as opposed to being where I am when I'm 40. That's a big lesson because everybody here listening to the show is probably invested in a mentor that hasn't worked out. They've probably done something that hasn't, who cares? Mm -hmm. You're gonna do things that don't work out. You're gonna lose a little bit of money. You're gonna lose a little bit of sleep. At the end of the day, though, you're going to have to pay the same price that every successful person has. I would rather pay it early than late. That's my, that's my story. God, that's so smart, man. That's so smart. It reminds me, I came from a martial art background. So whenever I would tell my students, if you want to get good at your kick or your elbow or whatever the hell it is, you know, there's some people who will sit there and train three times a week and they'll drill 50 times during that week. But if you want to get good, just do it a thousand times and do it. In Absolutely. Like, just condense yes. it. It's not about how much time it takes about the reps done in that much time. So yep. that's the same thing you're doing here, but you've translated that into business. Yep. Have you always same. had that type of mentality or did that come from somewhere? 
It came from my dad when I was a kid. Uh, you know, my dad was the VP of uh, sales for Allstate. It was a big insurance company in America. And he would drag me around to all of these stupid seminars that I just hated. John Maxwell was there and Patrick Lencioni was there and uh, big, big leaders in the business world. And I'm 11 years old and I'm like, this is the worst Saturday morning of my life. He said, uh, he, he would get me to these seminars by giving me Chick-fil-A. That was how he would blur me in. But I didn't realize, I didn't realize that uh, all of those things were laying a foundation. This is like, this is even translating into my view as a father uh, with, with Kate and the future children that we have is like, I want to set a foundation for them that they may not even appreciate for many, many years. But I looked back at that and it's like, when I was sitting listening to, listening to John Maxwell talk about random stupid stuff about leadership that didn't matter to me as an 11-year-old, uh, there was a philosophy that got into me as a kid that began to flourish as an entrepreneur. And that, flour, that, like, that philosophy is just like, you know, investment in learning. I remember reading a book, Sometimes You Win, Sometimes You Learn. Sometimes you win, not sometimes you win, sometimes you fail. Sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. It's John Maxwell written a long time ago. And I had all these in me as a kid. And so it was almost like, you know, when you have this, this fire and there's no oxygen. So the fire is just kind of like struggling along. All of a sudden it hits breeze and it explodes. That was kind of my life, you know, from the year 2014 to 2016, there was 15 years that just came crashing down on me. Um, and I credit a lot of that to my, to my dad for forcing me to those seminars when I was a kid and teaching me the game, you know, have you, have you, told him since then man thank you so much for taking yeah he works for me he runs all of our real estate operations yeah so uh he uh that's another interesting story well before we get there i don't want to speed it let's get into how you started travel because we've gotten to this point now it's uh 2016 roughly you're you you had your retainer client all this stuff what happens after that retainer uh i picked up more retainers okay i built the copywriting business by myself to about uh, I did, my biggest month was about 30K. Um, and Chris Evans, my business, yeah. business partner, I met him on a, in a Facebook group with Ryan Lebeck. And I had posted about a survey funnel I built. And he's like, dude, that's really cool. Because back in the day, he was doing stuff for Porterfield and Todd and a bunch of different people. And we connected and I was like, dude, you run traffic. I build funnels. We should connect because all my all my clients need traffic. And they blame you know, the funnel when it's really traffic and all of your clients need funnels and they blame the traffic when it's really the funnels. And, um, he didn't want to do it at the time. He's like, I don't even know who you are. He's like, fine. Screw Is you. he more experienced than you? He was. Yeah. He had been doing this for six years and I'd been doing it for uh, four months at that point. <laughs> yeah. So he, to him, he probably was like, who's this kid? Like trying to, to leverage all of my experience. Uh, but then a few months later, he, he came back and he was like, yeah, I do want to, let's do this. And, I, and at that point, I was like, I don't want to partner because I don't need you. I'm doing 30 grand a month now, bro. Like, <laughs> you. get on my level, bro. But we eventually worked it out and um, he just bought the domain, trafficandfunnels.com. He texted me and he was like, hey, this domain was available. We should call the business Traffic and Funnels. I was like, Okay. Sounds good to me. We took our first few clients in September of 2015. I had an email list of like 170 people. And I 
emailed the list and I was like, we're doing this new thing where we help people with what we're good at. Cause I had a waiting list of four months for copy, for copy. Wow. I was, people were paying me $10,000 as a deposit to start working with them in four months. Wow. That's big. Huge. That's big. So what I'm good at, what I'm good at is, is I can position and I was building framing and I was, I was, like I said, dude, if you can sell a tenant on the fact that it's 20 degrees tonight and their heater will be fixed before they get home. You can sell copywriting services. Like I was selling the hardest thing. Now this was easy. So I had a four month waiting list and I was like, let's help people with that. We didn't know what we wanted to do. And so we took three clients at the end of September, 2015. I think we made like nine grand and we paid ourselves nothing. <laughs> we paid ourselves, you know, we were doing over $150,000 a month in revenue. We were still paying ourselves three grand a month. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's commitment right there. Building the reserves. We want to build a real business, not this internet marketing flash in the pan. And uh, we built up reserves really quickly, but it allowed us to make risk, what people will call risky experiments. We, we had a margin built into the entire company so that when Chris was like, hey, and Chris is a wizard, he just comes up with stuff and most of the names that we have and the most of the brands that we have is him coming out of a dark room with a sheet of paper, like the back of a napkin and here's the business plan. And so when he was like, Hey, this thing might work with traffic, but I don't know, we could test it and figure it out. We weren't going to go bankrupt, you know? Right. Wow. So you you guys were stacking money. At what point did you say, and I'm sure you obviously still stack money, but at what point did you say, okay, now we've got enough to start deploying and fucking using this as, as like ammo. About a million dollars. A million dollars in saved income. Yeah. Saved money. Yeah. Dude, I love it. And how long did that take you guys to do? Just under two years. That's really good, man. Most people can't even save a million dollars because they have to pay the IRS. Yeah. You yeah. guys are doing something. So what, what I like about this is you, you, you mentioned it already. And it's what I was already thinking. You guys don't, you know, you're doing internet marketing tactics and stuff, but you guys aren't really internet marketers. I look at you guys as actual business people, actual entrepreneurs. You've got a staff, you've got an office, which automatically separates you than most people. Right. So there's a lot of stuff. Have you always had that in the back of your head? Like I want to build a real team, a real business, something, you know, or, or did this just kind of happen? A little bit of both. I think it was a little bit of both. Like my family, um, and he wouldn't mind me telling you this, but they had to declare bankruptcy in 2008. Uh, like a lot of families did. And, um, I got to watch that. Like I got to see, you know, my dad who always made a lot of money his whole life and was the pinnacle to me as a kid of successful. I got to see them go through this period of time where, uh, you know, I was, I was lending gas money as a kid. And so there was some of that ingrained in me, not from a fear perspective, but just like, you know, I don't want to go through that. It doesn't matter how much money I have now. Like I want to be in a position where I'm kind of protected. Another thing is because of the people I've chosen to study. In fact, I just finished a sales letter for a brain trust next year. We're doing with Jay Abraham and Joe Schrieffer's coming out and some other people that we're putting together. You should come, by the way. I'm sorry? You should come. When is it? Where is it? March 5th and 6th is in Turks and Caicos. That's a uh, first, of, first of June is in New York and then we're doing London in 1st of October. 
Um, but one of the one of the things that I was writing about was like, do thank God we chose wisely. We chose wise mentors. We have counselors that, dude. I've studied the people who lost everything in two thousand eight. And one of the things is just they get over leveraged and overconfident. There's this thing called victory disease. If you study, it's a military term. And victory disease. Napoleon lost at Waterloo because of victory disease. He was overconfident. He and and the United States military actually has a lot of training on this. One of the worst things you can do as a business owner is you have a period of success and then you believe that that success is because of you. Mm. And everything you touched is you know. Midas and everything turns to gold and what it causes it causes brilliant men and women to overextend and they don't respect the market they don't respect the seasons they don't respect natural cycles like gravity so we are going to correct probably 2020 maybe 2021 and so i'm very respectful of that i'm respectful of the fact that people don't i'm not entitled to anybody being a client of ours just because we've had past success there's this good old fashioned gritty philosophy built into how we run things. And the number one thing I'm concerned about is because I feel so wise and all powerful making bad decisions and losing everything. So I'm staying away from that with, with everything I can, you know? Well, that's what makes you wise. The fact that you're able to hire mentors. I mean, it's, it, it is, I think, uh, a little secret in itself to be able to put yourself like you, if you've been winning for a long time, it's hard sometimes to be like, all right, let me put myself in student mode and go to totally. something else and plug in. Yes. And I think that's something a lot of successful people have a, have the ability to do. Um, I mean, a good friend of mine, Anthony has made nine figures and taken home a lot of that. And he's not somebody who's afraid, like he's okay with being a student. Like he knows his shit, like he can talk it, but if he goes into a room, he's not the one first throwing out all the gold. He's trying to so, dissect what's everybody saying? What, what are they doing? Yeah. Really? We, sit down, we sit down with Jay in Paris, and this is a guy with $22 billion and verified sales behind his name. You know, good, good, good marketers are like, you know, Vince Vegas over a billion, $22 billion. And we're sitting down at a restaurant and he's asking us questions. It's like, this is one of the biggest things I've learned from Jay is, you know, he is curious about everything. He wants to know about everything. He's still asking questions. He's written all the books on marketing. He's done all the presentation. People revere him all over the world. And he wants to know about a 30 year olds who's been in business for less than five years. It's that's, that's a secret, bro. I want to be that way when I'm old. So I want to be that way for the rest of my life where, you know, I'm less interested in what can I teach you? And I'm more interested in like, what can I learn from you? Yeah. I used to think that I could only learn from people who made more money than me. And I've since realized that 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 actually is a uh, is a is a bad deal because the more money you make, the fewer people you can learn from. And eventually you get to the top and there's nobody you can learn from. And so now I'm like, man, there there's an area of your life that you can teach me. It may not be money, but it may be. It may be family. It may be how you respect people. I, I love certain people, how they're so kind when they interact. Eli Wilde is one of our partners and man, the dude will look you in the eyes and he'll listen to you and he'll just, he'll get in to the conversation. And he's like, tell me more about that. I'm like, dude, I love that. I got to learn from you how to do that. Cause I, I'm not good at that. It, it doesn't matter how much money he makes. Uh, there's so much that I can learn. And that's something people forget. As soon as they make their first hundred thousand dollars, like they think they're Bill Gates. They got to teach everybody. It's like, no, 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 no. You're going backwards, you know? 
the first hundred K I made, I think I blew it all. <laughs> I exactly. I any of it. It's a freaking <laughs> melting pot, dude. That's too funny. So, so, so these are some interesting lessons. I'd love to hear because you've, co- how many people have you guys coached in traffic in, in traffic and funnels now? Hundreds. Uh, close to 10,000. Close to 10,000. All right. We're so probably, I- we're probably around seven or 8,000. That's so badass. Okay. So out of that humongous pool of entrepreneurs, what are, I mean, I'm not going to put, you know, the top three things or five things, but what are some of the things that you see as commonalities that you're like, man, basically everyone who joins our program, they always have this issue we got to fix. Complexity. Number one, they think it's so hard. They think everything is so hard. They think it's, they think so things are so complicated and so complex. Um, So it's their mind. It's mindset and it's belief. And it's like, you know, we can talk about normalization, which is something that I've made a little bit more popular with our material. But, dude, a hundred thousand dollars a month is is like I'm going to take a nap and make a hundred thousand dollars. It's simple. It's it's not very complicated. And people want to do bots and they want to do advanced AI and all these pixel stuff. It's like, look, you know, we have to remind people all the time when they come in. If you want to make three and a half billion dollars a year. We don't know how to do that. You're going to have to go hire someone else. If you want to make two and a half million dollars a year, uh, you can do that working 15, 20 hours a week. If you focus on the right things, there's so much noise built into people's schedule. And you probably see this all the time with your clients where it's like, if you would just sit down and talk to prospects, you would make more money. We actually, in, in, in our business, we're, we're transitioning from like, why well, I, I am, I'm not really doing a lot of the copy. We're doing other types of stuff now. And uh, I noticed that, you know, so many people were pitching me, hey, we should do your bot sequence. We should do this, we should do that. And it, it sounds so funny, but we were able to make you know, six figure, low six figure months doing uh, solo ad. You're familiar with this cheapo solo? Oh, yeah. To yeah. a calendar, straight to a calendar. So you talk to about, 15, 20 people before you close someone because they're just shitty leads. But if you need to get some money in and Facebook ad is shutting you down, this is shutting you down, all these problems that I've had, dude, you got to still go and keep it simple. I'm like, you know, I yeah. think deals like get the prospect on the phone, do the numbers. We have financing. We have all these cool ways to close them. We just got to get them on the fucking phone. We can do all that nurturing stuff afterwards. Right. It's deep, dude. It's deep. It, you, people grow up with it in culture. How many, you've heard this phrase, hard-earned money <laughs> yes or money doesn't grow on trees it's like people sometimes will be like my my market's not big enough and it's like oh what do you do and it's like i help people who want to have children conceive it's like are you crazy yeah. you know, in, in america there's 340 million people and probably 100 million of them are you know interested in this at some point 2.4 billion people on facebook that means they have internet access it's like People don't understand how big the world is, how much money there is. There's over a trillion dollars a day that changes hands in New York City. Wow, I didn't know a that. Trillion. And it's just a like, day. if you can't get a piece of that, something's wrong. It's not <laughs> something wrong with the market, something wrong with you. Like, it's all mental, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so, so, so I've got some stuff here for some notes, but you mentioned something I wanna go back to, which was normalization. So I've been trying to wrap my head around making 100K a month completely normal because now it's, it's a relatively new concept for us. So I don't need it to be new. I need that shit to be like, why are we not doing this, right? 
So are there any tricks or any anything that you do to normalize these things other than obviously continuously hitting it over and over again? Yeah, uh, like morning formula, which I'm not sure if you've seen us talk about that. I haven't. Um, so let me, give it me after and I'll send you the link to this training and you can send it to the tribe. But every morning there's a document. I don't know how your personality is, but I'm all over the place. Um, Chris is very steady. He's mm-hmm. about the same on Sunday as he is on Tuesday. I'm a wildly different person. Um, I usually wake up in a bad mood and really? I'm a bit ADD and I'm just, yeah, it, something easy can trigger me and, you know, people, people have no idea. So I, I created this tool called the morning formula because I'm like, I'm just one day I'm driven and the next day I like want to go sit down at Starbucks all day and read Lord of the Rings. Like I got to figure this out, you know? And so the morning formula is basically my tool where I read the version of the person that I am aspiring to become. And, uh, right now, the version of myself, um, I'm at $50 million in net worth and I'm paying myself $15 million a year and all these things that aren't true yet, but they're becoming true. And, and I've got to learn, I've had to learn over the time to make, write them down. It's in a Google doc and I read it every day and I'm making decisions from the position of already being there. Cause if, if people could, it sounds a little woo, um, but it's true. If people could go out to the version of the person that thinks the way that they need to think to have the things you want to have, it makes the whole process simpler. And everybody's focused on a hundred million. Everybody's focused on a hundred grand a month. But you know, if, if you made a hundred grand a month and it was normal, what would you think? How would you decide? Like, how would you behave? What would your attitude be? Those are the things that you need to actually pull into now because they precede the income. They precede the houses. They precede the watches and the cars and the clients. And so that's one tool. Normalization is the process of taking something that used to be exceptional and making it normal. It's the process of raising the bar, raising the standard, leveling up. You've heard all of these terms. So I teach my sales guys, we have nine or 10 salespeople that we're always hiring new salespeople. And the the biggest problem with my sales guys is they'll come in and they'll make three grand a month. And then within six months, they've got $100,000 sitting in their bank account. They have no idea what to do. They don't have to work again for the rest of their lives. And they're just like losing it. I've had to learn how to train them over that. And normalization is one of those things. If you're trying to collect $15,000 from somebody and make it normal, but you drive a 1984 Honda Accord that you've had since you were a child, you're going to actually wrestle internally and struggle because your environment is telling you one thing and your psychology is telling you another thing and you create a dichotomy that is very uncomfortable. If you are working in a dark room and you can't, you don't want to turn the electricity on and you know, I see salespeople do this all the time where it's like, you look like you live in a cave and you're trying to collect credit cards. It's not going to work. So every new level, picture a person climbing up the face of a mountain every 10 feet, they nail in what? Uh, the spike or whatever it's called. Why do they do that? So they don't fall. So if they do fall, they only fall back to the most recent, right? I use normalization the same way. Normalizing externally the changes that have taken place internally. If you hit a new revenue record, you need to get a new car, bro. Or you need to update the furniture in your house. Or you need to maybe uh, grab a new phone. Or maybe 
whatever it is, it doesn't matter. And, and people will look at this and they're like, well, if you need a new car to perform, uh, there may be something wrong with you, but I don't look at what's right or wrong. I look at what's real. Let's just talk about what's actually true for a minute. Uh, you need food to eat don't, or to live. Don't argue with it. Just actually work the way that nature is designed to work. So Peyton, one of our sales guys, he's, he's buying houses. It, man. He's, he's buying houses from Wealthcap. He's, he's got a new Tesla. He's getting a new watch. All, none of it is to flash. It's all because if, if you have a bad day and you start moving backwards, you want that hook nailed into the side of the mountain. It's going to be easier to remember who you're supposed to be uh, surrounded by a good environment than it is surrounded by old trash that you've never gotten rid of. You know? Ah, that's so powerful. That is really powerful stuff. And I don't know if people truly appreciate it or not, but that right there is very powerful stuff. Um, wow. So you want, so you, I mean, essentially acting as if act how we would be in, in one sense, right? If we're, if, how would it be, how would that person who makes 500 grand a month act? How would they look? How would they think? Well, you know, I make a big goal. I hit a big, you know, I make 300 K this month. Go get yourself a new car. Go get yourself a new watch or whatever. Not to flash it, but so it does something in here. Is that yeah, right? Hundred percent. I don't. I don't agree with people who are like, act as if and just go get the car before you make the money. I don't think <laughs> that's that's unwise. Because um, that's going to kick in flight or fight or flight. It's going to ruin you. But Correct. yeah, mentally act as if and get into that way of thinking. I can't tell you how many times that we've gotten horrible news delivered and something bad or an employee quits or uh, somebody steals a bunch of clients or whatever. And because I went through that process of already being somewhere in the future, I react totally different than I would if I was stuck in the now. Mm -hmm. And that's where people mess up. It's never the big moments that ruin a person's life. It's always the small distinctions daily. It's small little leniences every single day. It's when, when somebody gives you bad news and you respond the wrong way one time, but then you do it again with another client. Then you do it again. It's never, I gambled all my money in Vegas and lost it. <laughs> and that's what people, people are naturally on the lookout for giant sweeping problems, but nobody's on the lookout for, you were supposed to go to the gym at 6.30, but it's 7.15 and you are just now getting there. And what did you just teach your central nervous system? You taught yourself that you can't trust yourself. And how's that going to go into your sales call this afternoon? When you can't trust yourself, why should anybody else trust you? And then that's where all of these identity crises come from because we fail to execute on the little shit Well, we don't ever get access to the big. Well, that you makes know? you a better operator in anything, whether you're a writing copy or a salesperson or whatever. But I mean, if you're feeling good about yourself, you're feeling confidently, you know you stick to your schedule. When somebody isn't doing it, you're like, dude, get with the fucking program, bro. What are you 100%. doing? <laughs> 100%. Yep. Right? So, dude, yeah. I, I love all this, and I, I want to make sure people can, can get a hold of you. What's the best way that people can find you online? Is it your Facebook group, something else? Yeah, Facebook is uh, just facebook.com slash Taylor A. Welch. There's obviously the Facebook group, which is um, facebook.com slash group slash traffic and funnels. Um, and then if people go to, so are, are you a Memos IAM subscriber? No, but I will. So you should definitely hop on it. It's monthly, basically, yeah, it's seven bucks a month. It's monthly letters. We'll break down a bunch of stuff. Trafficandfunnels.com slash IAM or insider's access or something. I don't know. You'll have to look at it. And 
I don't even know what. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what goes on inside of traffic controls anymore. I'm just buying real estate. That's right, dude. Oh, we need. We'll have to do another podcast in another ten years about that half. That's so cool. There you go. So, dude, thank you so much, guys. If you if you're interested in anything he just said, which I'm sure you are, go make sure you follow him. Join the Traffic and Funnels Facebook group. Add him on Facebook, Taylor Welch. Get on the phone with his team. See how you can enroll in his programs because he's got thousands of people in it and he has thousands of testimonials that I've seen all over Facebook from people loving his stuff. So check him out, guys. Check it out. Uh, Traffic and Funnels, Taylor Welch. Dude, thank you so much for coming on the show. See you, man. Thanks for listening. For more from Chris and Taylor, visit trafficandfunnels.com and get a free gift just for being a subscriber. That's trafficandfunnels.com.